Hello and welcome to Reformed Podmatics, a weekly podcast hosted by Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. This podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology, both in our context and beyond. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Zach. And I'm Pastor Mark. And today we are going to be getting into a listener question, sort of, from a listener named James. James, thanks for writing in. And yes. James's question had to do, well, actually, I should say it was questions. It was yes. <laughs> many questions about the subject of prayer. And so in today's episode, we're going to be covering a lot of ground on prayer, what prayer is, how we are called to pray. Uh, a lot of James's questions actually had to do, very interestingly, I think, uh, with the Reformed history on prayer. How have Reformed Christians prayed? Uh, have they used uh, formularies and texts, or has it been more uh, extemporaneous, uh, and so on? And so we'll, we'll get into that uh, a little bit, maybe towards the end of the episode. Uh, but we should pause with, with, with saying all of that and say, hey, we really uh, love when, mm. when listeners write in and we hear uh, what you're thinking and how you're responding to our episodes. We had a friend, our friend Ron, uh, respond to an episode a couple of weeks ago. Ron, it was fun getting to chat with you. If you're mm-hmm. listening to this, thank you for, for writing us. Uh, it's just it's fun to see how the episodes are uh, getting received, whether that's positive or negative, it's really not in our hands, but it's fun to, to hear from you and especially to get more content for the show, to know what you're interested in and how we may speak to the questions that, that you're having. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think by any means, Mark, you or I are experts on on prayer. Uh, well, I think we both engage in, in daily prayer uh, and we are committed to a, having a life of prayer, uh, but we're not the theological experts on it, but we are pastors, and so, uh, of course, we, we do engage in it, both publicly and privately. And so I've been really looking forward to this episode for the past few weeks, ever since James reached out and and let us know. And so I think it would be good for us to start with uh, the subject of prayer in its most basic form. What is prayer? Would, would you say it's right, Mark, to say that prayer is simply talking with God. Uh, would you add qualifications to that? I'm guessing you you might, uh, because that's what it's often yeah. pitched as yeah. in, in the sort of evangelical world, at least. Prayer is just talking with God, and so there's nothing more to it than just opening up your, your mind or your heart or your mouth to the Lord and speaking with him and listening to him. Uh, what are your thoughts on that in general, and is that really what prayer is? At its essence, I suppose that that would be true. Um, hmm. I, I think that there's more to it than that. if somebody were to just say it's talking with God, that could make it seem like it's having a chat with God, hmm. you know. And and I think um, as I was reading the Institutes in preparation for this episode, um, John Calvin is the first thing that he addresses is the attitude of prayer. And uh, how one is called to humility and trust in God. It sounds and, like the catechism. And, exactly. And, um, and so if we, if we just say talking with God, that could make it sound like prayer is talking with an equal. Hmm. Um, and I, unfortunately, I think that a lot of evangelical prayer is, it sounds like talking to your buddy hmm. um, or to, uh, to somebody who is sort of almost on a, a level playing field, level playing yeah. with us. Uh, and so reformed prayer is is very much looking upward it's uh it's a form of worship uh it's a way of worshiping god is to yeah. to come to him and and show trust in him by seeking god and talking with god i mean that's of course mm-hmm. a part of it i um one reason that i i do want to say it's talking with god is that it's not just meditation mm-hmm. and so i think that Eastern New Age influences have really influenced a lot of the way that people think of prayer, even in the Reformed Church, uh, particularly in more mainline-leaning churches. Yeah. And so they would, um, they would almost, uh, they would talk about centering prayer, and 
a meditation, which the Bible talks about, um, you know, meditate on his law day and night, right? And so right. Uh, that's not a, a, a bad word or a, 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 um, an unhelpful word overall, but I think that the, the, the New Age influences of prayer, just sort of as clearing your mind mm-hmm. and centering yourself on a higher power, that's not Christian prayer. Christian prayer is quite the opposite. Meditation is quite the opposite in the Christian tradition. It's actually filling your mind. It is, yeah. it is chewing on. It is thinking. It is digesting. Yeah. Instead of uh, resisting and 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 moving towards uh, less, moving within that, that yourself. Is the Eastern almost. view yeah. of, of of spirituality. Yeah. Generally, maybe I'm wrong. I would love to hear anybody, <laughs> but. Western spirituality, particularly Christian spirituality, is filling our minds with God's Word, yeah. thinking on it day and night, uh, understanding its its intercoherence, intercoherence and its connections uh, within itself, uh, seeing its goodness, um, understanding not just that it that it is good, but then learning to see how it's good, and appreciating and and, and taking joy in its goodness. Yeah. Uh, you can see that throughout the Psalms, and the Psalms are a great example of what meditation looks like. There is an excitement, there is a worship, a reverence for God's law, and for God's goodness as it is expressed in his law. All of those things. Uh, so prayer, that's a good point. It's not just a emptying of our, of our thoughts. Yeah, and it's not... Um, so talking with God does... I mean, it, it requires that, yeah. that God is present and that there's an engagement with God. Um, it, it can be a little bit glib, right? A little bit um, hmm. just sort of... Um, sound almost like off the cuff, just had a chat with God. And, and I think that there are t- those times that we pray in a, a quick way, you know, as I was just encouraging my high school catechism students to pray throughout the day, to pray without ceasing, like Paul mm. says in First Thessalonians. And what does that look like? It looks like when you're sitting down for your exam and the clock is starting, it's a good idea just to pause and say, God, I, I worship you, I trust you. Help me to glorify you by doing my best on this test. Yeah. Boom. That that was what four sentences, and then go for it. You know, go for the test, and so that it's finding those rhythms of prayer yeah. through through the day. Um, and so, yeah, is it talking with God? Um, yeah, I suppose to some extent, it it certainly yeah. would be. Um, uh, maybe one thing that we can include in our definition of prayer is I've found. Um, I just discovered this later in life. Um, listening to God in prayer is something that I was hmm. never really told to do. Hmm. So it's not just talking to God, yeah, but receiving. it's also listening and just saying, Lord, um, bring to my mind hmm. someone who might need my help today and might need just some encouragement and a text or a hmm. call. And the Lord will often answer that in, in very... Um, very particular ways, not not always, you know, with huge breakthroughs in that person's life or something. But yeah. um, but it's just opening um, your mind up to what God would would want to teach you and help you with. Yeah, um, there's ma- a submissiveness to God's will in that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's fundamental to prayer in general. Uh, the Catechism does teach us to come to the Lord with humility. That's that's mm-hmm. part of our worship because in prayer we are recognizing. As you've pointed out, it's not just that we're talking to an equal. We are recognizing our lowliness before God's majesty, before his greatness, his power, uh, his beauty. And so we come as humble people, and we come with the expectation that by Christ, the Lord will hear me. Through Christ, Mm. I can enter into the throne room of God and have peace and have assurance that he will listen to me. And that he will he will answer me according to what's best for me, not what I think is best for me, but what he thinks is best for me. And so prayer is, at the outset, a, a humbling thing, and it ought to be. Uh, there's this old song by a band that uh, I I've listened to uh, that they're an atheist band, and they they talk a lot about atheism in their music. Hmm. And I feel the ache when I listen to them. I can hear how sad life must be uh, within the confines of that worldview. Uh, but there's there's one particular song. I forget the exact lyrics. This just came to mind. Uh, where he basically says, I could never, this is my paraphrase, I could never bow down in, in prayer because it would be to, to humble myself before something 
that I don't think I could hum- humble myself before. It's, there was a sort of stubbornness, mm. a mm. a spiritual, uh, I don't know, angst um, towards towards God because uh, he he never wanted to bow the knee to something. He never wanted to ad- admit that he was less than another being. Uh, and I I think that that's uh, it's a good a good picture of what prayer is. I think he's right in saying mm-hmm. that prayer prayer requires us to bow our knee and that's actually where i think christians would say we receive our strength is is through our weakness is through our prayer yeah um when john bunyan wrote his really really good book on prayer it's a puritan paperback it's a cheap book um went through it with a young man in our church and uh, we had a really good time probably about five or six sessions of meeting just discussing this book john bunyan it's called prayer um, so Great name. Written about <laughs> written about 400 years ago. And uh, he talks a lot through that book about approaching the throne of grace. And mm. so I really like that that picture. Of course, it's a biblical picture from the Hebrews. book of Hebrews. Yeah. Um, and we do so with boldness because um, we, we are confident that, mm. that we'll be received there in Christ, uh, who's gone before us. And, and yet, um, so it mixes the call to approach and... Um, and the the call to humility at mm. the same time, because it it is a throne. It's a yeah. throne of grace. Um, yeah. and, and, and to me, that uh, that biblical picture is really helpful for the attitude, a right attitude of prayer. Yeah, and so is it talking to God? Absolutely, prayer is talking to God. But it's not just talking to any God. It's talking mm. to the one and only living God, and it, it's talking to the we might say the Trinitarian God. We we pray. Uh, through the Spirit, in the name of Christ, to the Father. That's the general format of prayer and that we see in Scripture. I don't think it's wrong necessarily to pray to the Spirit or to pray to mm-hmm. Christ, uh, but generally prayer uh, ought to be conceived of and construed as a Trinitarian conversation that we are having in the Trinity, through the Trinity, and to the Trinity, mm-hmm. the, the three persons of the Godhead. Uh, and so that that's a whole other, I guess, uh, avenue we could go down in the in the theology of prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, C.S. Lewis writes a lot about that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was something that was really uh, blew my mind in seminary and studying the Trinity. That all of life, all of the Christian life, is in the Trinity. Uh, salvation is it comes from the Father through the Son in the Spirit to us. And so there's a sort of downwardness, and then there's it's upward the same through the same way. It's through the Spirit by the son to the father mm-hmm. there, there could be a lot more said on that but prayer happens in the, in that same way the spirit prompts us to pray we pray in the name of christ and we pray to the father that's why jesus taught us to pray when we pray we pray to our father who art in heaven mm-hmm. and so yeah and even as we as we talk about this we don't want to uh covering the intellectual theological side is really really important and i would say it's what many evangelicals would benefit most from is a a richer theology of prayer. Um, But neither do we want to go too far onto that side and um, over-theologize what is actually a a very just enjoyable just time with God, right? Um, Just just seeking God, enjoying his presence, just the feeling of of having a burden and stopping to pray Mm. is a rich blessing for the Christian. Um, And so... Hopefully, listeners to this podcast will not just be uh, sort of consuming a theological product today, mm. but you'll be prompted to pray yourself uh, more often and uh, to lead your family in prayer. And that's something that we'll get to in just a few moments, um, yeah. that there is corporate prayer, there is personal prayer, there is, uh, should be times of family prayer, especially if you have children, you're teaching them to pray every day. Um, and, and that's really... Uh, woven through a lot of reform teaching throughout history, but I guess my my point is we, we don't want to lose out on the uh, mm. just the joy of prayer. I I think yeah. um, when I when I do um, <laughs> premarital uh, counseling with um, with couples, it's whether we're talking about money or sex or um, other sorts of things it's like there's a theological way of thinking about those things which is good and we should do because those are serious matters but then there's also the uh, experiential joyful Mm -hmm. just 
fun side of like thinking about money and how we're going to use our money and it's a gift from god it's a blessing for us or um you know in, in the conversation on sex it's thinking about what it is and what it should be um without losing really the joy that that God wants a married couple to hmm. enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, with their, with one another. And so I think prayer can be a, a little bit like that, actually, in a way yeah. where it's not just thinking about it theologically, but we're called to to do, to, to pray, and to just listen to God, be in his presence, and find blessing in that. And this is where I find the Heidelberg Catechism's teaching on prayer to be so profoundly helpful mm. in simplifying it, not over-theologizing it, as I am want to do because you know i just went into the trinitarian side of things which i think is important but yeah it is um it's <laughs> probably what more people need is more theology yeah but i, I do love the, what the catechism says it keeps things rather simple so question and answer 117 of the heidelberg catechism we find this question what is the kind of prayer that pleases god and that he listens to now we can pause and reflect on that question because it is implying rightfully that there are some kinds of prayer that do not please God and that he does not listen to. If you want an example of those things, you could look, for example, in the book of James. James chapter 4, mm-hmm. we see a warning against how to pray, incor- pray incorrectly. Uh, James says, for example, in verse 3 of that chapter, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly hmm. to spend it on your passions so it's people who are wanting god to answer their prayers because of their own desires they want him to answer their prayers according to their will not according to his will james also says in the next chapter that the prayer of a righteous man uh, is powerful uh, and it, it accomplishes much because the prayer of a, of a godly man is is a prayer that aligns itself with god's will but the the catechism in answering or asking this question, what is the kind of prayer that pleases God and that he listens to, gives us sort of a threefold answer. It says, first, we must pray from the heart to no other than the one true God revealed to us in his word, asking for everything God has commanded us to ask for. So we must direct our prayers accordingly, not just to some heavenly power, some divine being. The universe. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, creator of the cosmos who's up there, some someone who's up there, yeah, the higher power, would you please listen to me? No, we pray to the one true God, and we ask for everything he's commanded us to ask for. So we are, we are aligning ourselves with his will. Second, we must fully recognize our need and misery so that we humble ourselves in God's majestic presence. This is a really big one, and we'll come back to this, the humility. Third, it says, we must rest on this unshakable foundation. Even though we do not deserve it, God will surely listen to our prayer because of Christ our Lord. That is what God promised us in his word. It's the second and the third answer that I think help us to enjoy prayer so much. In humility, we recognize God's power, God's goodness, uh, God's greatness. His majestic presence is something that comes to mind. Hmm. And so prayer ought not be... A practice of I gotta say the right things. I gotta dot my eyes and cross my t's. And I gotta say the exact formula. We've we talked about this way quite long ago in our episode on superstition that the Christian faith is not just a matter of superstitiously doing the right things and not doing the wrong things, so that the the power in the heavens hmm. uh, gives us blessing. God is not mocked. God is not fooled. Uh, he he is not a divine vending machine. Prayer is something that we should come into with the right status of heart. And that status of heart being humility, uh, I think, makes prayer joyful because we realize this world is not going to be changed by me, but it can be changed by the God who is all-powerful. And then thirdly, this confidence. We're we're told to come into prayer with this unshakable foundation that even though we don't deserve it, and God knows that it's true— we will surely, or God will surely listen to our prayer because of Christ our Lord. That is a great reminder. Uh, he listens to us not because of, because we're so great, but because Christ is great. And this is a promise that we have. And so this makes prayer uh, an enjoyable thing. Uh, it makes it an exciting prospect that we get to have communion and fellowship with the Lord and that the Lord will do what is right for us and he will sustain us and provide for us and for those around us. Uh, as will be best and most suitable for us. That is a great reminder and encouragement to simply pray. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's uh, in reading the Institute's uh, Calvin's work on this, 
um, he also talked about how there are wrong ways to pray. Um, I've, I've seen it said um, and, and heard podcasts, there's no wrong way to pray. Um, that's just not a biblical teaching. Yeah, James that, 4. J- you, James you, 4, you Jesus, wrongly. Sermon on the Mount. Uh, when you pray, don't be like the Gentiles and the mm-hmm. rambling or the hypocrites who want attention on the street corner. Um, exactly. And there's other places, of course, in the Bible um, that, that give bad examples of mm-hmm. prayer. Um, uh, John Calvin, um, in his Institutes, talks a lot about how uh, praying, kind of praying our fantasies to God. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Bonhoeffer also talks about this in Life Together. It's like the, the person with the, the big dreams and the vision and the mm-hmm. big goals, and God becomes the the avenue to, kind of the means to the right. end that is my glory, my um, fantasies being fulfilled, my desires uh, being met. Mm-hmm. Um Calvin, you know, in some very uh, um, uh, vivid language, I would say, uh, really calls that out as being a sinful way to pray. Mm-hmm. And so um, this silliness about there's no wrong way to pray than to just, uh, except for not mm-hmm. praying at all, that, that's just not biblical. It's not Christian. It's certainly not Reformed. Mm-hmm. Um, now, even when I say that, some people would, would start to think, oh, I better be so careful, um, <laughs> and they would almost be afraid but uh, Calvin, before he refers to that, um, basically says to, to pray is to access God's treasures, God's spiritual treasures. Mm-hmm. And um, to neglect to pray is to be aware that those treasures are buried, and you know where they're buried, and mm-hmm. you know how to get to them through Christ. Um, but it's just not to not pray is to not go and, and, and access those treasures yeah. that you have access to in Christ. And so, um, as Paul writes, we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms through Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, we, we approach God, but, but do so to access what he intends for mm-hmm. us. Um, I, sometimes, uh, occasionally, I'll tell the church, um, if you want to pray prayers that God will always answer affirmatively, just mm-hmm. just learn what He promises. Mm-hmm. And so, um, one of those prayers: God be glorified in my life, mm-hmm. and um, he, he will be glorified in you. And and when you ask, seek, and knock in that way with mm-hmm. that prayer, um, whether it's through suffering or through having a great day and being really really joyful, yeah. at the end of the day, you'd give praise to Him. Um, he's going to be glorified in answering that prayer um, in an affirmative way uh, hmm. through his people, through the church. And so um, I think sometimes when people aren't getting their prayers answered in the way that they want, um, it could be that it's time to adjust the target or adjust <laughs> the goal of the prayer. I know that that's, that's easy for me to say. I mean, some people are praying about healing and yeah. really big things you know, for their children, for right. their family members, for loved ones. Um, and And so... I don't, I don't just want to rattle that off, but I think that we could say, in the mm-hmm. life of that person I know who's suffering, be glorified, God. Yeah, and, um, absolutely. That could come through healing. It could come through um, a confident faith that is not shaken by sickness. Right. That, I think, connects to a previous episode as well that we've done on what is the purpose of theology? Mm-hmm. What is the purpose of prayer? It's the same thing. It's, it's, it's theopocentric, not anthropocentric. Um, or theocentric, mm-hmm. um, not theopocentric. <laughs> Nevertheless, that, that is the point of prayer, God's glory. That is a prayer God will always answer, has always answered, is answering right now. He is glorifying himself. Yeah. Perhaps this is my uh, Piperian background, reading a lot of John Piper. God, God's passion is to glorify the Son and to glorify himself uh, and he is jealous for his own glory, and that is a good thing. That's actually for our good. Mm. That and that's, that's something to rejoice about. Uh, but our prayers so often can be simply for ourselves, for what we want, and for our own glory, our own goals, and our visions, and our ambitions. Uh, but prayer, we're told, uh, is to is for God's glory ultimately. And so, whatever happens. Uh, prayer is a recognition that God's will comes first and that it is his will and his kingdom that we are to seek, not our own. And that's why, of course, the Lord's Prayer mm. uh, contains those 
towards the front. It f- sort of front loads those prayers on purpose. Uh, we ask that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so in that, we are recognizing that it's everything is for him. It's for his glory and not for our own. And I think that that, that you might say is something that all Christians hold to and agree with. I don't think that that's the unique uh, thought of a Reformed pastor, but it is something that the Reformed tradition, I think, uh, really high- highlights that God is the one to be glorified in prayer. Uh, and that's what our prayers ought to be aimed towards. Uh, this is why in a lot of prayers, a lot of historic prayers in the Reformed tradition will end with things that have to do with God's honor and glory for your sake, for your kingdom, uh, for your, for your, uh, yeah, for your admonition and love and admiration all around the world, Lord. We pray that this would happen. Uh, yeah, and a lot of uh, eschatological conclusions in Reformed prayers and biblical yeah. prayers too. That that the church would uh, glorify Christ un- until His return, um, mm-hmm. and so forth. And so, you've done a lot of research, Zach, on historic Reformed praying and. Uh, a big fan of the Book of Common Prayer, of course, and so um, I'm curious to hear, um, in response to James's question, are there Reformed prayer practices that perhaps have been a little bit lost over the years? Um, hmm. Maybe thinking broadly, not just in our Christian Reformed context, but uh, maybe uh, evangelical contexts as well, or other denominational contexts. Uh, how have you seen, or what is your knowledge of um the history of prayer and two paragraphs or less. No, just kidding. Um, go <laughs> uh, for it. <laughs> yeah. So James's question, I think is a really great question. Yeah. He, he, he talks about how in his own life, uh, he's been using ever since reading Tim Keller's book on prayer. Uh, he's been using the 2019 ACNA, the Anglican church of North America's book of common prayer, uh, which is an excellent edition of the book of common prayer. As far as editions of the book of common prayer go, uh, but he's wondering, is there anything that's reformed, that's like the Book of Common Prayer, uh, but more more distinctly reformed? Uh, I guess my simple answer would be, well, the Book of Common Prayer, depending on the edition, is reformed. So feel free to use it and to claim it as reformed. Uh, but is there anything else? And the answer is definitely complex. Uh, there, There is nothing like the Book of Common Prayer uh, in the reformed tradition as far as something that has been sort of the mandated prayer text of any particular church. Uh, there, not not that, that I'm aware of, at least. There could be something out there that I'm, I'm missing. Could you maybe just describe what the Book of Common Prayer is like, maybe for those who have never opened it? Yeah, so the Book of Common Prayer is a lot of things all bound into one volume. Uh, it mainly is a collection of liturgical texts that are to be used in the Anglican Church, the Anglican or Church of England. The Anglican Communion is the church that is spread across the globe that uses the Book of Common Prayer. It is sort of their uh, liturgical text. Um, So somebody in the CRC, how would I explain this? The Uh, prayers are usually about eight or nine lines long, right? Yes. Um, And and so most of the whole, entire service, if you're following the Book of Common Prayer sort of verbatim, which is still quite common in the Anglican mm-hmm. world, the entire service will be scripted. And yeah. It will be, you can read it. It's called Common Prayer, not because the prayers are common and everyday and boring. It's because <laughs> they're prayed commonly together mm. uh, in common with one another. We pray them and recite them together. So it, it's a it's it's mainly for corporate worship, although in the Book of Common Prayer, there are lots of liturgical texts for all sorts of other Mm. things, for burials, for Mm. ordinations, for weddings, uh, for visitation of the sick. Uh, And so they also include the daily office, which depending on the prayer book that you have, will either be just the morning and evening prayer. Some of the prayer book editions will have uh, noonday prayer. They'll have uh, Compline or uh, evening or not evening uh, sort of nighttime prayer before you go to bed uh, and even even more than that in some of them and so there are several editions of the book of common prayer and that's a whole other podcast episode uh we'll probably never have <laughs> and we don't need to have it but it well, is it's a it's a big text it's about the size of a hymnal in the crc we have the psalter hymnals mm-hmm. 
which of course include mostly hymns, but there are forms of services that, that are in the back of the Psalter hymnal, uh, including the three forms of unity that are, that are back there as well. Um, that is sort of our, you might say, closest thing to the Book of Common Prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've lived in the CRC long enough and you've gone to a sort of quote-unquote traditional CRC, uh, you will probably be familiar with the f- different forms that are sometimes used, whether that's for communion, which can be a long sort of uh, preparational text for communion. There may be uh, prayers before and after communion uh, that can be used from the forms. There's the form for baptism, uh, which I believe we've used a handful of times here, Mark. Yep. Um, not always is it used, and not, not At least it doesn't need to it, be always yeah. used. The the core of what actually the baptism is, I would use yeah. the, use the form, but sometimes the preparatory stuff, I'll yep. I'll summarize. Yeah. yeah, and so we have these as options. Yeah. That's the big thing. The Book of Common Prayer in the Anglican world w- was sort of the mandated liturgical text. Now, all these years later, since the Reformation, different Anglicans do things differently. Mm. Uh, but in the Book of Common Prayer, there is the morning and evening prayer, the daily office, as it's often called. And so is there anything like this in the Reformed world? The quick answer, as far as I can tell, is no, there's not. Um, in the Reformed world, and I think the Book of Common Prayer discussion is interesting because in the Reformed tradition in England, uh, there was the war between the well, not war. Well, there was a war. Uh, there was a, the, the disagreements between the Reformed Anglicans and the Reformed Nonconformists, the Puritans, as they've come to be known. The Church of England mandated the use of the Book of Common Prayer. They wanted to have a common prayer book around the, the, the kingdom, and so they wanted all the churches to use it. The Nonconformists said the church doesn't have that kind of authority. And so we, we want to create forms of prayer. We want to create sort of uh, frameworks for prayer, but nothing that is mandated from the top. And so from the Westminster Assembly, uh, which, which is sort of the high point, the zenith of uh, Puritan power in, in England, uh, from that assembly came the Directory for Public Worship and the Directory for Family Worship. But these are nothing quite like the daily office. They are not actual prayer texts so much as they are instructional guides on what uh, public worship, corporate worship should look like on the Lord's Day and what family worship should look like uh, in the day-to-day life of a household. Uh, And so they don't really include, the family worship one does include some clear instructions on what prayer ought to look like within the household. Uh, And it's, it's helpful to, to read. Hmm. You can find all of this stuff if you are good at Googling. Uh, the best place to go for maybe the simplest uh, website would be reformedstandards.com. Uh, that is a slick design for a website, I would say. Yeah. And it will give you all these things, as it says, in one tidy package. And so I, I recommend using that uh, that website. You can find there... Uh, the Westminster Standards, and underneath that heading, you'll see the Directory for Public Worship with that fun old Puritan spelling with a K at the end of public. I love that. Uh, and then you can see the Directory for Family Worship, and so you'll see those instructional guides. Um, all throughout Reformed history, though, there there have been there has been a, I would say uh, a strong sense of each national church developing its own structured liturgy and service. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so there is a long history of of what worship looks like in the Reformed churches. There's a great text that I have uh, by two authors. Uh, It's sort of a collected text. It's called Reformation Worship. Uh, And it's Worship for the Past for the Sake of the Future or something like that is the subtitle. I don't have it right in front of me. It's mm. up on my shelf somewhere. But it's a great text that includes, it's sort of a collection of the Reformed, mainly Reformed, but there's also a Lutheran uh, worship service liturgy. And you can see what the general structure of Reformed worship services look like. Oh, yeah, here it is. Marcus <laughs> pointed it out to me. <laughs> yeah, so prayers from Bootser and Calvin and yeah, uh, all got these Wingley and so forth. Of, uh, Cal- yeah, Calvin... Um, uh, who else? Uh, 
Bullinger, yep. his, his is in here. Peter Dathanus, Dathinus, I don't know how you pronounce his name. Uh, it has the Palatinate Liturgy uh, by Ursinus. Uh, so it's a really, really great text. It's called Liturgies from the Past for the Present. That's the subtitle for the book. It's great. There's a website that goes along with it. I believe it's just reformationworship.com or something like that, uh, where you can see sort of, uh, you can see part of what the book has. It's not all of the book, um, but it's it's great for seeing what Reformed corporate worship and the prayers of Reformed cor- corporate worship have looked like. I, I will sometimes use it, especially around Reformation Day. Hmm. I'll pull prayers from it, from the, the, the sort of saints of the Reformed tradition, you might say. Yeah, and part of the purpose for referencing all these um, resources is just that if sometimes people don't know where to get started with yeah. praying. And so the Book of Common Prayer, um, it's all online. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody could bring it up on their phone really easily. And um, there's a there's a nice little clickable uh, part on the side where, okay, prayer for the sick, uh, mm-hmm. for example. And then there's, uh, like I said, the prayers are seven or eight lines long usually. Yep. Um, often, you know, just, just very theologically helpful ways to think about praying for sick people. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes in preparing our own worship services, if I, uh, if I want to, to say something different, I know that I have a way of praying and a vocabulary mm-hmm. and sometimes I'll feel I need to branch out a little bit and, and find yeah. out how others pray. Um, there's a great book called prayers through the centuries, which is just, oh, yeah, that is um, a good book. It, it's a very short book. That's, uh, prayers from, um, St. Augustine and Anselm and, and all of uh, the scriptures as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's sort of a collection of scripture prayers and then uh, the prayers of theologians. And those are really powerful, beautiful prayers. Um, it, I guess my point there is don't just give up if you feel like um, you don't know exactly what to say. Um, well, first of all, mm. uh, approach God with faith and um, knowing that yeah. he's a, a God who loves us and loves when we come to him like a father loves when a child asks for help. I love when my kids mm. come to me and ask me for help with something. Yeah. And so that's how our Father in Heaven sees us as well. And so you don't need to have all the right words, but if you want to grow in um, perhaps... Uh, centering your prayers on biblical themes and mm-hmm. on, on good, rich doctrines. Um, there are great resources out there. Another one is called Be Thou My Vision. I'm going to be yeah. using it by um, on my sabbatical, actually, to tie in with last episode. Um, and that includes 31 days of um, prayers and uh, references to the, the Heidelberg Catechism, and Westminster, just, um, you can choose either catechism, which is cool. Yeah, and so it's by Gibson, right? Be Thou My Vision yeah, so by Jonathan Gibson. Yeah, so Jonathan Gibson, he's yep. also one of the authors of the one I just mentioned, the Reformation Worship Text. Um, it's him and Mark Ernge for that. Uh, but Jonathan Gibson, who's a, I think a Presbyterian from the UK, uh, put together this text. And as you said, it's 31 days. And it's basically, as far as I can tell, the best Reformed answer to the Book of Common hmm. Prayer. Um it just came out uh, maybe two years ago. Uh, yeah, it's eight dollars so, on Kindle right now. That's yeah. where I found it yesterday. And so. I got a really nifty hardback cover uh, edition from Westminster uh, Theological Seminary Bookstore, uh, which I would highly recommend. It's got nice ribbons in it for the different sections that you'll be using each day. Um, it's great. It's got uh, lots of historic prayers, and it will often tell you who wrote the prayer, whether it's Augustine or Calvin or Chrysostom or Aquinas uh, or Bootser. There, there's, it's a good smattering, a good mix of different parts of church history that are included in it. It has you reading through uh, the McShane uh, daily, uh, uh, what would you call it? The election, or uh, yeah, the, the reading plan. Yeah. The reading plan. Yeah. Uh, so you're reading four chapters, or not four chapters, four sections of Scripture. Uh, sometimes it's four, sometimes it's f- five or six chapters of the Bible. Um, and it's so it's a good way, and it, it's getting you through yeah, the Scriptures in a year. It's also, as we've mentioned, helping you read through the Catechism, which is cool. Uh, as somebody in a Reformed church, I love that this has built into it, the Heidelberg Catechism. It helps me incorporate the Catechism into my own daily routine mm-hmm. a bit more in, in a reflective, uh, prayerful way, which is really, really great. And so, yeah, I, I 
I highly recommend it. I was curious about it and had heard about it and I wasn't sure what to make of it. But as somebody who's now used it for almost a year, it's it's really, really great. I would highly recommend it. And and even if it's not a book that is written in a devotional kind of way, um, I think that any any great theological text can really be turned into a prayer guide very easily, mm-hmm. including the Bible itself, of course. And so oh, yeah. um, I'll often encourage people, um, this is kind of what I'm trying to train my children to do, is mm-hmm. when we read a passage, how will this affect our prayer life? Absolutely. Um, and so uh, I, I've mentioned before, we're reading through Isaiah right now. We're in, I think, Isaiah 31 last night. And... Um, there's some really, really neat promises in there for God's yeah. people that when we trust in Him instead of um, in, in worldly things and chariots, um, then yeah. uh, He gives He gives a, a prevailing peace to us. And so huh. the prayer then is, Lord, help us trust in You. Um, and and God in that particular passage is is really convicting um, Israel for trusting in powerful nations. And so yeah. uh, we just had a good talk with our kids. Um, in America, do we trust a lot in our military? Yeah, we do, don't we? We think mm. that our military, because it's the best in the world, we're going to be the safest people forever, and yeah. we don't have to worry you know, about... Say, yeah, it's we like, trust our technology, <laughs> Isaiah, our wealth. If, if you read Isaiah, you know it doesn't last. Uh, the Lord can bring down nations, and so trusting in Him alone is is what we need to do. Not in weapons, not in the military, although it, it could be an okay thing, even a good thing to have a strong military. We don't ultimately trust in it. So let's pray that we would always trust hmm. in God more than in um, in any military. And so, yeah. um, so just doing that kind of thing uh, all throughout the Bible, uh, whether you're reading Esther or mm-hmm. um, the Sermon on the Mount, that's an easy one to do this in. Um, or uh, one of Paul's letters, just, Lord, help me believe this and live this out. Yeah, exactly. All of Scripture can be and should be prayed. Mm. Uh, it's a part of how we listen to the Lord, right? Uh, we we read the Word and we pray the Word. Uh, that's part of how we meditate on it. And so that may sound weird. How do I pray about this text? Well, get creative, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but use the Scripture's... Uh, in that way, and you will you will be blessed uh, immensely. Uh, of course, some parts of the Bible are a lot easier to pray. It's a lot mm-hmm. more straightforward, and some it may not be as clear. Uh, in that case, ask the Lord for for His insight, for illumination to understand what what is being said, so that you may pray that it would be reflected more and more in your life. And so. Yeah, that, that maybe is a bit of a sloppy instruction. I'm not giving you any <laughs> precise, uh, here's how you do this. Mm. Uh, but go about and do it. And I, I think that you'll kind of figure it out as you mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. You may stumble a little bit, but we all have to learn to walk somehow. Yeah, God helps us along the way. And so it's not just up to us to figure it out. I mean, um, just as Zach referred to earlier, the Spirit prompts us. Um, and, and even when we don't know what we ought to pray for, uh, we have Christ interceding for us. And, um, and so just approaching God sometimes with tears and with Hmm. just, uh, just being resolved to, to seek him and saying, I I don't know what's going on now, God. And and I just need your help. Um, and uh, I know that I trust you and so forth. It's always to come to God with trust. Um, maybe my last word is, um, um, there, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a movement right now to to pray lament prayers in mm. um, in the Christian Reformed Church, which is of course good because uh, the Psalms I, I believe it's about a third of the Psalms are considered lament Psalms. Yeah. Um, however, I I would always want to caution people against um, praying in a, a praying a lament that's actually a complaint or grumbling against God. Um, and so the difference I would always say between lament and complaining is faith. Hmm. So um, Israel in the wilderness um, is sinning by coming to God and saying, we were better off in Egypt. We don't have food here. We don't have water. Um, what did you bring yeah. us out here to die? That's complaining to God without faith. They don't mm-hmm. trust God. Um, whereas in um, in the Psalms, you would find uh, David and other psalmists coming to God and saying, I trust that you're good, God, but I don't 
I'm not, not experiencing that. Yeah. I'm not seeing it right. in, in some way. I see that evil men are prospering while I try to do what's right. That I'm seems so, like a contradiction of your law. Right, right. If so I follow some, your law, things are supposed to go well, but it seems like those who don't follow your law, things are going well for them, yeah. and not for me. And uh, yeah, John. So it's like it's a faithful questioning of God. Yeah. Um, and that sounds weird. That almost sounds like that's an impossibility. Yeah, we're not really encouraged to do that much. But yeah. it's saying we, because I trust your word, God. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing some conflict in my own experience of what your word is saying. I trust your word. Show me how it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And, one and of the, that I think is a, something we're allowed to say to God. And one of the Puritans once said, "Show God His handwriting." You know, um, mm-hmm. and and it's just like, uh, not in a defiant way, right? Which I think is that could be, be mis- misconstrued. That could be that where the trend is moving because there's there's evil in the world. We're aware of sin in the world. We're aware of abuses. And, and so and, God is the one, you know, in the dock. God yeah. in the dock is what his book is called. God's the one we're we're, we're judging him. Yeah. What yeah. what's what's um you could say what's happening, God, in a way without faith. Yeah. Or you could say what's happening, God, in a way with faith. Yeah. Help um, you to see. Spurgeon talks about that and and how all creation is groaning, and he has a great sermon how. Um, some people are groaning because they have given up. Mm. <laughs> some people are groaning because things aren't yet the way that they ought to be. Mm. And so they're longing for something to be better, to be to see God's promises fulfilled. Um, some people are just giving up in doubt. And mm. so the, the groaning in and of itself or the lament in and of itself, we can't tell if it's uh, out of faith or out of uh, actually a lack of faith or doubt. Mm. And so... Um, I, I would encourage if, if people are listening to this and struggling with with um, something in your life, pray Psalm 13. That is the quintessential mm-hmm. lament psalm. It's six verses, uh, five or six. Uh, <laughs> don't quote me on that, I guess. It's very short, I guess, is my point. Yeah. And it's it's just a basic a psalm of lament, prayer of lament that you could uh, come to God with. And so um, the, the conclusion of those is, and yet I will trust in your unfailing love. Yet yeah. I, I, I put my hope in your word. Um, and so hopefully including times of thankfulness in prayer, uh, times of request and, and um, petition to God uh, for yourself and for others, hmm. and then even incorporating at times a lament um, and, uh, and making that both personal and a family event and something that happens in church. Um, something that we didn't really get to this episode because we want to conclude now is corporate prayer and how, yeah. um, how we might... Uh, encourage congregations to to include, for example, prayers of the people, prayers of confession, um, mm-hmm. really to pray in church. There's a huge movement away from that in yeah. the evangelical church right now. Prayer is just a segue. Oh, and it's honestly, um, in an hour-long service, maybe two, three minutes is spent mm-hmm. in prayer. And so many, especially the mega church mm-hmm. rigid liturgy, um, doesn't allow for a lot of prayer time. And so... Um, maybe that's another episode for the future, but uh, <laughs> prayer, yeah, we, we focus more on that. personal prayer in this um, in this episode, which hopefully is is really w- the the lifeblood of your spiritual life is is your prayer life. Yeah. So I guess the last thing I'll yeah. add one of one of James's questions to us uh, had to do with what are some things you've learned in your own prayer life? Uh, what, what does your prayer life look like? Mm-hmm. Some general things that have been really helpful for me, as you could probably already guess from what we've said. I have I have found written prayers very helpful. The prayers of saints before me very helpful, like the Book of Common Prayer, or even in this this new uh, volume, "Be Thou My Vision." Uh, it's it's I find it really helpful to use those as I've often told people as a trellis, uh, sort of as a framework for prayer. Not to be the only prayers I pray, but to to break me out of my own vocabulary. Uh, to I, I think in a lot of ways theologically ground my mm. prayers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm often wowed by the great prayers of those who have gone before me, and it helps me to think about uh, the the theocentricity of my prayers and what they should look like and mm-hmm. how I should be aiming for God's glory, all of those things. So using those, uh, those texts is really helpful. I love that the Be Thou My Vision book uh, gives you space for just Okay, pray your own prayers now. It just says pray, pray prayers for yourself, your personal needs, your your church, the world, and so then you you're, you're prompted to spend time praying. What we might say is extemporaneously, mm-hmm. just sort of off the cuff, uh, from the heart, yeah. from the heart. Yeah, 
which I, I love that, that it, it, it's both. It's not just we're only reading prayers, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a combination of the two. And that gives me a sense of rest and peace that I don't have to come up with all these amazing prayers all the time. Hmm. But it, because I'm surrounded by these amazing prayers, it definitely helps my own off-the-cuff, from-the-heart kind of prayers. Hmm. Uh, the other thing I would say is something that I've really enjoyed is that prayer can be short. Yeah. I remember, remember growing up feeling as though the longer the prayer, the holier it was, mm. the more God was likely to listen to it, uh, and the more people were going to be impressed by it. So pray pray long prayers, uh, and there's a time and a place for long prayers. As you've said, Mark, our, our prayers in the services are quite long. Uh, Especially in our evening, we spend about probably 20 minutes almost yeah. in prayer. Yeah, yeah, we take the requests and pray, and that's that's a wonderful thing. But prayers can be short. As you're going through throughout your day, it's okay to pray short prayers. Uh, I've I've learned to just say a few sentences, and that's and, and to just be okay with that. Uh, to give myself space to pray a, a short prayer. Sometimes I pray long prayers uh, before I go to bed. Uh, but sometimes it's okay to just say, "Lord, thank you for this meal. Help me to use it well. The energy it provides for me. Help me to use it for your kingdom. Amen." And to be okay with that, to not mm-hmm. feel like I'm, I'm less than or unholy because my prayer is so short. Uh, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's that's a good prayer to pray. Uh, things like that. Just rest in God's goodness and don't make prayer something that's all about earning His love. It's very easy to turn prayer into something like that. Great insights. That's we'll conclude on the the wise thoughts there, Zach. Um, so thank you everyone for listening. Uh, uh, continue to uh, spread the word, like and subscribe, and so forth. Um, one thing that uh, that actually helps a lot in um, increasing the exposure of the podcast is if you could give it uh, some stars on Spotify or uh, go to an Apple Podcast review. And uh, just it takes hopefully uh, ten or fifteen seconds, but just to to give it a, a little at, at least the star review. Hmm. And um, I'm I know that the algorithm does look at those sorts of things and and bumps uh, podcasts up um, when there's engagement happening. And so even just for a podcast like this, it's about prayer. It's not not the sexiest title that that will probably <laughs> ever come up with, but uh, but really it is. I think the kind of podcast that probably more Christians need to be consuming more so than true crime podcasts or, <laughs> or so forth, which aren't necessarily so bad, I guess. But, um, but just, just recognizing the, the type of content we create is, is not going to grab a lot of eyes right away. And so uh, we could always use your help with um, just doing those, those simple things of liking, subscribing, responding with some reviews. And, and we love your emails too. And so... Uh, We thank you for listening, and we hope you have a great week ahead. Yep, grace and peace, you guys.